And to illustrate one of my uh, go-to verses, some pictures of old versus new. And I love the scriptures. I just thought it would be great illustrating it. But if we look at these scriptures, I mean these pictures now, you've got the old. Would you recognize what that is? Wow, you guys are clued. 1970, no, 1982, I think. And then how could that be transformed? If we look at the next picture, what an amazing transformation. Hey, you look at that and you think, is it the same? You almost want to go back and look. And no, it is, it is. But look how incredible. And then the next picture, if you look at, that was from the 1970s, 1972, thereabouts. And yes, I think it's a little bit black and white, but there is some color in it. But, but man, it just looks as, as unappealing and as death kind of. But then look at the next picture. It's just, it's just a beautiful movement from, from old to new. And that's why the scripture, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In the New Living Translation, that means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. Exclamation mark. I'm alive. I'm alive. <laughs> and that means a new person in a, in a relationship with God, a, a new Lord, a new life, a new love, a new peace, a new joy, a new fellowship, a new family. I could just keep going. A new closeness and a, and a righteousness with God. This changes all that we are. And friends, it changes all that we do. You see, with a new life comes what? A new lifestyle. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. What a privilege. Doesn't anyone want a, a whole new tree, not just a new leaf? <laughs> you want a whole new? Well, there you go. And so we're going to look at this subject of the mind, the way we think and how it needs to be different to the way that people who don't know Jesus think and do things. And I'm not going to have a go at the therapeutic movement, although to me, the best therapy is Jesus therapy, is <laughs> come to the truth, come to Jesus, come to His Word, come to your Maker and let Him recreate you in the way that He intended, your identity, your image, your everything. That's where the real therapy takes place, friends. And uh, so the Bible tells us that the way we think that's our thought life, is to be in harmony with the thoughts and the ways of God. That's got to, that is, and I think <laughs> Val um, Murphy will smile, but it, that means get rid of your stinking thinking, as the guy who planted this church used to say, and I'm so glad he said it. It means a realignment, a recalibration, a new standard, the mind of Christ. And, you know, we love GPSs, all of us, particularly, um, you know, when you're driving, it's really wonderful to have Google Maps or whatever. But we need a DPS, a divine positioning system. Not a GPS, but a DPS, a divine positioning system, seated with Christ, with the mind of Christ in heavenly places. And this is a, a, a key scripture. I raised it in the prayer meeting. For the, to set the mind on the flesh is what? Death. To set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. That's what the world needs right now. It doesn't need a political solution. It needs a Jesus solution <laughs> by the power of the spirit. Mindset on the life is... And I felt, even as I was uh, asking God to help illustrate this, I was thinking of Gaza. You've got a, a city above, and then you've got a city below, underneath. 
And what goes on in that city underneath, friends, affects greatly what happens above. There's, there's, it's like a picture of neural pathways and synapses. I'm not a neurosurgeon, but, but I know there's a lot goes on in your brain. A hang of a lot of things. <laughs> anyway, a lot in many, many, many seconds. But, but the crazy thing is, those pathways can carry life or they can carry death. It could carry peace, could carry life. And, and that's the picture. I mean, even, uh, was it Sean, who's the uh, war, what's his surname? I think he's on Sky News, uh, Sean Bell, is it? Anyway, he's, he's the war correspondent and he's, uh, and, and he's commentator. And he's spoken and he says, Israel's tr- never going to win an ideological war. And I, I would agree on that level, but, 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 but God, with God. You can change the way people see life and see death and see the value of life and see what are they living for. And, and, and unfortunately, there's a culture of death that lives in that, in that part of the world. And, uh, and so the key to transformation of our hearts and lives and lifestyles is to know the good, pleasing, perfect will of God for our lives. And that's what we all want. You want that. I want that. Isn't it? And so in Romans 12, and this is the scripture for the today, it's our key verse this morning. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, and I would say that includes your minds, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And whenever there's a therefore, you've got to ask the question, what's it there for? (laughs) And the first 11 chapters of Romans, and I think we probably as a church need to go through Romans. It's such an incredible book. But it's trying to make sense of life in those first 11 chapters, whether you're in the camp of self-righteous or you're in the camp of, of unrighteous. It's all... People are sinners and need to be saved from their sin through the atoning death of Jesus Christ. And we'll remember that as we come around the communion table this morning. You see, it's a righteousness by faith in Jesus from first to last. It's the righteousness we find in Christ, an imputed righteousness and even an imparted righteousness so that we can become more and more like Him. And then it comes to chapter 12. Therefore, as Christians, we call to offer ourselves in worship to God as a living sacrifice, as a holy sacrifice, as a pleasing sacrifice. And that's why there's an enormous battle over our minds. We're living in a world that's trying to influence the way we think. And behind that, there's world systems. And even behind that, there's a devil, an enemy, an adversary, a liar, the father of lies. And so not all the news you see is true. We hear this thing, fake news in the last decade or so. Is it true? Is it not? Is it, you know, and, and what's published from some, you know, part of the world doesn't necessarily mean that it's reflecting on, on the situation on the ground because people have agendas. And you've got to discern that. You can't just take everything as gospel. The gospel you can take as gospel, but the rest you can't take as gospel. But... Uh, so it will affect decision making, and and uh, and it's, the enemy wants to influence whether we people th- we, we think and, and the decisions we make, even our lifestyle, the way we speak, the things we focus on, the goals that we set for our lives. And Proverbs twenty three and verse seven it says, "As a man thinks in his heart, so is he." And friends, governments have understood this. 
try to govern the thinking of people. And uh, that's why this Remembrance Sunday is so important. I mean, people would fight for king and kaiser and country. And as I said, the great number of, of loss of life and, and harm. And then we think of the perils of Nazi Germany. And people tend to label people now, well, that's this and that's that. But because it was such a dark period under Hitler and his propaganda minister Goebbels, they influenced a nation into a way of thinking, fueled anti-Semitism. A horrific Holocaust was the result of a national movement of thought. Six million people or more lost their lives in the concentration camps. And that same spirit seems to be at work today in varying degrees through Putin, Hamas, Hezbollah, and you could just, Iran, there's even protest action on the streets of the United Kingdom right now. There's even protest action in higher education campuses. And friends, much of that is advocating a very ungodly agenda, a very liberal, woke agenda, and even a, a lifestyle contrary to Scripture and contrary to the Word of God, even contrary to, to what should be taught by parents and and uh, through and the education, media, music, they all are influences and trying to influence people's thoughts around gender and sexuality and marriage and family and race and religion. And then the sound bites, they can sound so good. Oh, love wins. And the, and the president of America puts that out there and everyone thinks, yeah, okay, love wins. But actually, friends, the truth is love warns. God loves us too much to leave us the way we are because he made us. He knows what's best for us. You've got to remember, true love warns. And unfortunately, the world doesn't speak out that message. And so we, whether it's news outlets or media powerhouses, Hollywood, whatever, they've become major influences of thinking. And in university, thank goodness I only did psychology one. Otherwise, it could have really messed with my head. <laughs> but I only did the first year. And I remember they spoke about something called groupthink. And what that meant is, is that uh, this, this pressure within a group to, to conform to a particular way of thinking. There's a danger in that. Because if any narrative, you, if you keep reinforcing that narrative, what do they call it? Um, not smoke squeaking, when you call it gaslighting. If you just keep on you know, saying a certain thing, people will eventually somehow think, well, everybody else is thinking that, so well, maybe I'm not, you know. <laughs> it's what they would call an echo chamber. And uh, this AI algorithm keeps feeding into that news and media. So if you're watching a particular thing, they'll keep feeding that thing through to you all the time. And the news and media narratives are becoming more and more biased and ungodly. Yet the Bible warns, and this is a scripture you should have on your fridge or whatever. <laughs> I don't know where you put your scriptures, but woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put sweet, bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Things are being inverted today and as I said the, one of the biggest attacks is on godly identity saying find your identity elsewhere find your worth elsewhere don't look to God and, you, and then there's this thing of you've got to look good you've got to feel good you've got to be right you've got to stay in control don't be undisturbed or rather be undisturbed get with the program get with the agenda get with the cause and there's a proliferation of media influences and I mentioned that in one of our previous messages. And this saying, the world's your oyster. Well, that's become the world's your stage. You put out anything out there, you could have a world stage. 
with millions of people from wherever, all four corners of the world could be watching and listening to you. And that's the danger. Can be used and will be used, I trust, for the good. But Isaiah 42 verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, exclamation. I have not, will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. And the message that says, I am God, I've called you to live right and well. I am God. It keeps reminding us, I am God, that's my name. Don't, I don't franchise my glory. I don't endorse the no God idols. Avoid celebrity status. You know, oh, if you ask most young people today, what do you want to be? Oh, celebrity. Because look what lifestyle they have. Look what money. And, 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 and that seems to be the, well, <laughs> look at how many of their lives are cut short. It doesn't seem to be the pot of gold at the end of that rainbow. But we cannot allow the world to determine our purpose, our way of life. And so we've got to ask this morning, are we being conformed or are we being transformed? Conformed to the world or transformed by God? And then a scripture not often quoted in 1 John 2.15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That challenges me deeply. You see, we call to be in the world, but not of the world. For all that's in the world, the desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. How much time do we give to that? Well, how many likes have I got, have I got on social media? How many views? People are in that industry trying to, to build that industry. It's a self-referencing culture. And that's not a God-focused culture. It's a self-referencing culture that's behind it. And we live in this system that's so opposed to God and His ways. But we must never forget God's design is always to bring us to fulfillment, true fulfillment, both now and in eternity. And so this scripture, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5, the battle of the mind is a battle we to face, and it's a battle we have to win. Here's the quote. For though we live in the world... We do not wage war as the world. <laughs> we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power, divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedience to Christ. And I wanted to illustrate this this morning. I just thought. This isn't a sledgehammer. I wish it was. Maybe I wouldn't be able to hold it up if it was one of those massive sledgehammers. This is a rubber mallet. But so on the one hand, we've got the sledgehammer that we've got to demolish stuff with. On the other hand, we've got to, these locks are quite hard to break. So just, you've got to take things captive. In other words, we've got to pull them down and we've got to tie them up and, and chain them and lock them up and that they don't come back. You know what I'm saying? So demolish things. If I took a swing at this wall with this, you'd laugh at me. But if I kept at it long enough, I'd chip some plaster, even with a rubber mallet. And then if I kept at it, maybe I would knock out some plaster. Uh, then the, the, you know, eventually I might dislodge a brick. And then eventually the whole wall will come down. So that's the, the picture right there. And uh, some chess players in this room, I'm just looking there, Steve, laughs a bit like chess. When you're under attack, the best defense is offense. Flip it. Have a comeback. The British wit and humor is so sharp. I don't know. To me, it's, I love British humor compared to perhaps other parts of the world. But it can be. It's crass. But I'm just saying, with people are just able to have one-liners. Tony's very good. He's got great wit. You know, he comes back with one-liners. But use that for the positive. 
When Satan comes and tempts you and won't let up, start thinking about a comeback from God's Word. Every time that Jesus was tempted, He said, it is written. He had comebacks. He had some amazing comebacks. And Satan could not overcome the Word of God. And that's why memorizing Scripture is so important. Psalmist says in Psalm 119, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I think every computer should have that. Every tablet, every phone, everything that we look at should have some screen along that. I would break it, your screensaver. If you hold to my teaching, you are my disciples. So I'm saying hide, that's it, hide it. If you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. You'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. So don't just hide it, hold it and know it. Hold it, friends. Hold to my teaching. Know the truth. And then, friends, the next thing is live it. So you hold it, you hide it, <laughs> you hide it, you hold it, you know it, and you live it. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the Word of God lives in you and you have overcome the enemy, the evil one. You're living it. And then it, it's, it's almost got to go to the next step because in godly wisdom and spiritual warfare, we become less so he can become greater. We submit to God so we can see the victory over the enemy, submit our thought, life, etc. And So then it's the show it. It's not just living it, it's showing it. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will, he will flee. He will flee. But we've got to submit to God. <laughs> we've got to come bind body, soul, spirit, every part of us submit to God. You know, and I could go digression here, yeah, but I'm not. God's wisdom says the way out is the way down. Humble yourself. Yield yourself to God. Take a stand. Resist the fiery darts of condemnation, of accusation, of lies towards yourself or about God. And the one behind them, the devil, will flee. To submit to God is to have his mind. His thoughts, His words, His path, loving the things He loves and hating the things that He hates. So for a moment, we're going to look at the what. See how many what's are in this passage. I don't know if you want to count them. In Romans 7, Paul tells, but it's not going to go up on the screen. I'm just going to go through it quite quickly. Paul tells us of a sinful nature, internal struggle that all of us can relate to. I do not understand what I do. Verse 15, for what I do for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. For I know that good and self does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have a desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Though I want to do good, evil is right there with me. From my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work within me waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. All of us need to come to that point. All of us. Unless we know our wretchedness, we'll never appreciate the wonders of salvation. Who will rescue me? Who will deliver me from this body of death that's subject to death? The cry of the heart. Who will deliver me? The things we want to do, we don't. The things that we don't want to do, we end up doing. And we end up in a state of wretchedness. Wretchedness. Thank goodness it doesn't end there. Thank goodness the scripture continues. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God. There is, is the hope. Therein is the help. 
So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I saw the, serve the law of sin. Friends, we talk about mind over matter. Well, there is a scriptural precedent for that. The mind of Christ over physical matter and carnal fleshly desire. Christ over carnality. Victory over vice. You in the SWAT. You know what SWAT is? Special operations or special weapons advanced tactical training. Is that what it stands for? You are being trained to reign. Training to reign. That's, what's, that's what this whole thing is all about. And then I'm just going to flag up a few things here. Think on the subject of sexuality. Maybe go to the next slide there. So what thoughts come to mind? What thoughts come to your mind? And we've covered sexuality, so I'm not going to spend much time there. But but does that subject bring up a sense of joy and fulfillment if you're a married couple, an expression of committed love and purity? Or is there just a sense of guilt and being drawn to things you know are just not right? Oh, wretched man that I am. But the Bible says the antidote is take truth and apply it. Truth applied transforms. You'll know the truth. I could get on another tangent here. But then what are the go-to scriptures? What are the flip scriptures? What are the, the comeback scriptures? 1 Corinthians 6, it's got to be there. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. As a young man, this was such a truth for my life. Whoever, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you received from God? You are not your own. Therefore, you were you're bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. When you look at the cross and you realize the cost of the cross and you know that my body's been bought at a price and how great a price. I cannot use that to dishonor. Honor God with your bodies. And then in Thessalonians, another great comeback, go-to scripture. <laughs> it's God's will that you should be sanctified, that each of you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your body in a way that's honorable and, and holy. And not in passionate lust like the pagans, you do not know God. And in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Amen. But the hope of the gospel is whoever confesses their sins, he is faithful to just and faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us, not of some, but all unrighteousness. That's the hope. So then there's other thoughts. What about fear and anxiety? What comes to mind? What thoughts? Fear of the future, fear of sickness, fear of failure, of rejection, of authority, of being unloved and unwanted. And uh, I could say a little illustration. My wife grew up in a difficult authoritarian home. Her father was an alcoholic. And there were times there was abuse of authority there because of alcohol. And I don't know, maybe there is some truth in this, but she went to have her blood pressure taken. The moment she saw the doctor and, and the doctor said, your blood pressure is high, 160 or 100, and just said, I need you to take it for the next week, morning and night, and send me the readings. He said, it could just be a white coat syndrome, that when you've seen me, your blood pressure's gone up because you're an authority. Some of you struggle with authority, male authority. Some of you struggle with many other types of authority. This, this part of the world struggles with authority, whether it's church authority or any authority. If I was speaking strongly, you could get offended and leave 
that happens in this city more than any other city I've ever walked in. People just get offended and leave. Offended brother is harder to win than a walled city. <laughs> but it's your glory to overlook offense. It's your glory, the scripture says. If fear controls us, then fear is our Lord. As someone once said, fear is faith for the things you don't want. Friends, there's an antidote, 365 scriptures, each one for each day of the year that addresses fear. Isn't that encouraging? Perfect peace, whose mind is said in you. I've quoted that because he trusts in you. I've not given you a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. Perfect love casts out fear. President Roosevelt said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Friends, we can win this war. All we have to do is grow in faith and love. Because light and glory will be rising upon the Lord's people at the very time when darkness and even deep darkness will cover the people. Isaiah 60 verse 1 to 5. And if we're not growing in faith and the peace of God, we'll be growing in fear and anxiety. And that will ultimately cause men's hearts to fail. So what about loneliness? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll set the lonely in family. You've got to have your go-to scriptures, your comeback scriptures when you feel lonely. What about relationships? Well, God reconciles us to himself through Christ, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. If your brother or sister sins against you, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. Friends, there's so many go-to scriptures. What about anger? If you carry an intense antagonistic thought about some people, even in your own home, is this, but, but you see, with the mind of Christ, you can find such assurance. You can find the power to forgive because you've been forgiven. And how can you not forgive? With a strength, you can be free from bitterness, resentment inside. Because when the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Are you free indeed? What about debt? Do you feel overwhelmed? Are you drowning in debt? What scriptures come to mind? What truth comes to mind? A borrower's is a slave to the lender. Be no man's debtor. Let no debt remain outstanding except the debt of love. Friends, you get the issue. Any issue, God's word speaks. He's given everything we need for life and godliness. And this was such a useful pastoral tool. It's brilliant. It's Billy Graham's Christian Worker's Handbook. It's like Bible college in a book. <laughs> it's from A to Z. You want to know anything. You know, if you start off with A, abortion, abuse, Abusive person, adultery, AIDS, alcoholism, anger, A, anxiety, assurance of salvation. Friends, that's just A. This whole book is just full of Bible truth. So I just encourage you, get a resource like that. And, and then you can say, well, I'm struggling with this. What do I do? Where do I turn? And God wants to give us a growing sense of, I have the mind of God on this issue. I know the peace that passes all understanding, that God's my heart and mind above all else. I know if God's for me, who could be against me? And He is. He is for you. He died for you. That's a big statement that He's for you. And secondly, you can, you can see what we... Let me, can you go to the next slide? Um, what and how we think creates the type of life we are living. Have you heard it said, watch your thoughts, they'll become your words. Watch your words, they'll become your actions. Watch your actions, they'll become your behavior. Watch your behavior, it will become your character. Watch your character, it will become your destiny. It all starts with your thoughts. So the main two scriptures we read this morning, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. 
And then make sure that we fight the battle of our minds with the weapons God's given us to attain the goal that God's got for us. And that is to have the mind of Christ. And in the New Living Translation, for who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach Him? But we understand these things for we have the mind of Christ. That goal for God is attainable. That we have the mind of Christ. In every situation, Christ knows and we have Christ's spirit and that's a great comfort. And we can take on a biblical worldview. But to do that, we've got to see through new eyes in a new light with the mind of Christ. His thoughts would be my thoughts and the living word becoming my word and his ways becoming my ways and his truth becoming my truth. And that truth is is going to transform me. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then lastly, how can we be transformed? Third point. And you turn to the next slide. How can we be transformed? What we want to examine is how we can be transformed and how we can win the battle of our minds and have the mind of Christ and reflect more and more of Jesus. And that will affect the way we think and even how we live. In uh, 2 Corinthians, wonderful truth, wonderful truth. I know we've had so much truckloads of truth this morning. Hang in there for a few minutes. Whoever, when everyone, but whenever... Anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed. Same uh, word as Romans 12, 2, into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And this I've put in there, to have the mind of Christ, we've got to look to Christ. What we behold, we become. What we behold, we become. And so the first four chapters of Proverbs all are saying, listen to what I have to say to you. He promises, I'll pour out my my thoughts to you and I'll make known to you my teachings. And so the first step of transformation is that we need some Holy Spirit brainwashing to get rid of the stinking thinking. (laughs) For the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. It's a long sentence. Failfulness, gentleness and self-control. Nine wonderful things what a way to live and when we live like that we are strong we'll finish strong and we'll enter into eternity that sense of of freedom and expectancy so guard your hearts and minds above all else and so even in the computer age and many of you are familiar with this there's a saying called gigo garbage in garbage out (laughs) garbage in garbage out Friends, this is the eye gate to our soul to our, what, and our minds. What captivates us captures us. What entertains us enters us. That's why Job covenanted with his eyes not to look lustfully at a woman. For lust wants and grabs and, and love waits and love gives. And that was such a revelation to me when we look at Matthew 6. And I know Ken spoke into this context on finance, but the eye of the lamp of the body, if your eyes are healthy, that actual Greek word is generous. If the eyes, if your eyes are, are generous, in other words, not are giving, not grabbing, are loving, not leering. Do you know what I mean by that? You know, loving, not lusting. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light because lust isn't just sexual. It can be after anything. You can covet anything. Then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy or they're stingy or they're self-indulgent, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then 
The light within you is darkness. How great is that darkness? We've got to be honest this morning about the negative influence media has on our lives. Proverbs 15, a wise person is hungry for knowledge while the fool feeds on trash. That challenges me, friends, because it's so easy to get into a series and it starts off pretty innocuous and then it's pretty dark. You know, it's like, well, where is this going? You know, watching this thing and they're thinking, oh, yeah. And that's why Psalm 101 three, verse 3 says, I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. What we feed our minds on has similar similarities to natural eating. We can have good food that nourishes us, makes us stronger. We can have food that simply fills us with calories, which is neither bad nor particularly good. Or we can have toxic food, which is ultra-high processed food that harms us in the short and long term. We are what we eat, by the way. <laughs> and I've discovered if you have a life-threatening disease and your doctor says to you, you need to change your diet because if you don't, you're going to die. You're going to do that. Am I, you're gonna, they say you need to change your diet. You're going to say yes. And God says to us, great physician says to us in his word, for the, to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. We've got to, it's critical. We've got to change our diet. It's a matter of life and death. So, friends, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Friends, uh, as I finish with the last scripture from Colossians, the very last scripture, there's a, a, a scripture on the board, which is the message translation of Romans 12, just part of it. I encourage you. It's a great translation. But Colossians 3, living to please God. Since you've been raised to life, new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor, God's right hand. That's been heavenly minded. And then you'll be earthly good. <laughs> Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ who is your life is revealed to the whole world, you'll share in what? You'll share in His glory. And there's this invitation Beautiful invitation in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. Friends, won't you open the door of your heart? Say, Lord, I need you. Jesus, I believe you died for me and that you rose again. I know my hope is, is going to be in you. I want to to look to you and trust you and I, I need you to come in and change my life. Friends, will you do that this morning if you've not done it before? Turn to Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and His grace. For others, I believe you are here this morning because deep down you want to become more like Christ to become, grow more and more into the image of God and have the mind of Christ. And if you recognize, and many of us will, that your life, your thoughts, your mind is not where it should be. Set your heart and mind on things above. Won't you pray with me? Lord, I'm sorry that I've allowed so much to come into my mind and my thinking and my way of life. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Choose to be a living sacrifice, a holy sacrifice, a pleasing sacrifice. I want to be fully for you. I don't want to be half-hearted. or I want to be wholehearted in my worship of, 
And I want to look to you. And I want to look to your word daily, weekly, monthly. I want to look to you such that my mind will be transformed. Not conformed to this world, but transformed by you. Won't you help me to keep my focus on the Holy Spirit? And, and the Holy Spirit, won't you teach me, strengthen me, counsel me, lead me in paths of righteousness. And we pray this in your precious name. Name above every name. It's the name of Jesus. This morning, here's our hope. Here's our hope. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Sorry, Donna, you wanted to come up and say something. Donna did a wonderful illustration of my message with an umbrella, <laughs> with many scriptures on it, shielding us. Um, I'd just like to say this. I believe with all my heart that God is speaking now. This is a now word. In the last couple of weeks, I've been camped out on one John. And I just can't come away from it. I really feel like this is God speaking to the body of Christ, not just to me personally, but to the body of Christ at this time. I really want to encourage you, listen to that uh, teaching again this morning, that preach, write some notes. I really believe with all my heart, God is speaking this to the church now. And I just want to... With this one, John, I want to just read this to you because I like this translation of it. One, John, it says that God is light and there's no darkness in him. Where there is darkness, there's no light. God is light and there's no darkness in him. And it says this, Russ mentioned um, on um, 1 John 2, and they, I, I am camped out, I am not moving, even if I stay here for a year. I know that God is speaking, and it says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and our possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. You know what? We're in this world. We're not of it. We're just passing through. Our home is eternity. It's heaven. And you know what? I really feel like God's really challenging me. I've so long wanted to move from where I'm living. And you put the news on and you watch people whose houses and everything they've worked for all their lives completely destroyed. And they've got nothing. And it really challenges me. Why am I pursuing things of this world? And that's not to say it's not nice to have things. I'm not saying that. But it's where your, your, your heart is. That's where your treasure is. What's in your heart? What's really, what are we pursuing? And I think really, I believe this. God, it's time for the bride to make herself ready. 
the Holy Spirit works on the inside of us. It's him and it's us. And I say this as well because as I felt um, to read this scripture, the uh, passage before it is this, and I noticed that we're taking communion. And it says this, If anyone claims I am living in the light but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. I just want to encourage anybody, if you've got anything in your heart, now's the time to bring it before God and say, I'm sorry. If there's somebody that you have had hatred in your heart towards, somebody that you find it hard to forgive, now's your chance before we take communion. He's a God that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse you and forgive you of all sin. All sin, and it's as simple as that. God, I'm sorry, and help me to walk in the freedom of this. So, Father, I thank you that your word goes forth and it says it does not return void, but it accomplishes that which it sets out to do. Thank you, Lord. Amen.